Hey, Luke here, and before this episode starts, I just want to let you know that this was recorded a little while ago because Devin and I were trying to work on a new project, a new podcast, and it ended up just being the wrong timing. It just, it we'll, we're still working on it, but the timing's not working out for both of us. I have way too many projects going on, and I just want to take this quick, you know, just a minute to just show you how you need to adapt sometimes. Sometimes you have plans and they don't work out and that's okay. But this episode was originally supposed to launch the project, but we had so much good information. We had such a good time recording it. I still wanted to post it. Just know that we're talking about podcasts. We'll, we'll men- we mention it. And just so you know that that is not out it will, I mean, maybe um, in the middle of this year, we'll be able to actually launch it because we want to make something good. We want to make something great, and we didn't want to rush it or just have to do something and then it be, you know, something that's okay. And because of this, we wanted to take our time, and that's why we delayed it because I need to finish up some of the products that I'm working on before I focus on this one. So, just so you know that, so enjoy, I hope you enjoy this episode of me and my good friend, Devin Tracy. Let's just head into that. You're listening to the Communicate with Confidence podcast with me, your host, Luke Maxwell. This podcast is dedicated to helping you build confidence, increase your communication skills, and journey with me in the relentless pursuit of what you want most in life. In this episode, I have Devin Tracy back on the podcast, and this is going to be a little different. If you listen to our last episode, you can check it out. I'll put the link in the show notes. It was much more of an interview style. I interviewed Devin, and he shared a lot of really interesting information about motivation and productivity with us. But today, we're going to have a conversation. Um, if, if you don't know, Devin and I, we've known each other for what, now three years, two years, something like that. And yeah, we have a lot of long phone conversations. You are by far the person I have the longest phone conversations with. Like I like I don't talk on the phone with people for like this. And so the other day, I was like, look, we have so many really interesting phone conversations about stuff. Let's record those conversations and turn that into content because it's very valuable. I think a lot of people would actually really find this helpful. So that's what we're here to do today. And so if you're listening to this, we have by now, unless something goes terribly wrong and I'm forced to upload this anyway, we have formed a new podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes where it's just me and Devin talking about stuff, where there's productivity, social skills, motivation, marketing, um, communications. Uh, it's us sharing our experiences and what we know, all the little bitty things that we've picked up along the way. So you can find that in the show notes. Um, we're really excited to get this started. But I've been talking for a long time. Let's let Devin talk. Devin, thanks for being it's good to it's good to have you on again, man. Thanks for being I know, here. right? Mm. Um it's it's productivity, Luke. Productivity. <sighs> Not this again. <laughs> Not this again. <laughs> just, uh, did we ever get did we ever get um a poll on that? Do we have a conclusion? Oh no, I couldn't so the I didn't have a good way to implement it. And I remember when I was making the show notes, I just remember like having in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I just can't. I don't remember why. Uh, and it must have just been a really hectic weekend or something where I was trying to post it. And I was like, you know what? It's not the most important thing on my mind right now. But if you can want. I make a, can I make a link? Yes. Can, can I make a yes. page and just send you the link yes. and you put it in the show notes? Because yes. we're going to figure this out. Like. <laughs> 
I, I don't even know what the definition. I think the dictionary just has both uh, pronunciations in it, right? I, so the big one, the big one that freaked me out was because uh, I've always heard it as productivity until basically I met you. <laughs> but but the, what freaked me out is I watched a like I'm watching. I don't ever watch TV anymore, Luke. I really yeah. don't. But I was watching a show with my parents and a commercial came on and in the commercial they said the word productivity three times but between two people and one person said productivity the other person said productivity and i was like what see here's my argument is that productivity you're just adding ivity to product you say i'm selling a product but but you're wrong it's it's the subset pro pro is added on I love this. See, I, this is why this is why I'm so glad. Like this is why I love. Like I was like, I need to have you on the podcast again because we literally have an outline for what we want to talk about, and we're gonna spend the entire time talking about productivity. But no, I like, don't really think this is what your audience wants to hear. I'm sorry. You know what? Um, I decide what goes on this podcast. Um, I, I have my freedom with that. No, so your argument is that it's like pro. A pro is doing this. My argument yeah. that it's a product. Being productive means you're creating products, whether the product is yourself, a piece of content, a service, whatever it is. If you're being productive, then you're creating a product. I think we both know that's a stretch, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I mean, come on. Like, it's not bad. I'm impressed with the attempt, but uh, we both know that's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, what yeah. we need to do is we need, and I'm sure somebody in your audience knows this, but we need just more language background, like how language uh, is structured. I took Latin. Because I, I mean, somebody. I, I know Latin a little bit. I forgot a lot of it, but... Because this is why I want a poll. Because in the poll, I'm just going to leave com a room for comments, and somebody's going to be like, actually, this is the breakdown of the word, so this is the way it's supposed to be pronounced by what it means. Yeah. And I don't think either of us can actually claim to know that, but we both are claiming that this is what we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean... I want a poll. Yeah, okay, fine. Create the poll. Send me the link. I'll put it in the show notes, okay? Communicate with confidencepodcast.com. Um, you can find it there. Um, fine. We'll see. We'll see. To be clear, guys, the, the debate is productivity versus productivity. Yeah. Uh, how is it supposed to be pronounced? That that's that's the argument that we've been having for like six months. <laughs> Ever since the first <laughs> podcast episode. But we do have some stuff that we actually want to get into, and I would be remiss to spend the entire time <laughs> literally arguing semantics. Um, <laughs> so we've both gone through quite a journey in the last year or so. I mean, we always have been, but especially in the last year, I feel like we've embarked on very serious ventures and things have changed quite a bit. Um, for me, if you've been listening to the podcast at all, you know, I started a marketing firm last year. Was it? Yeah, last year. And then we ran for a year. It went really great. We made money, but we decided it wasn't what we wanted to do. And so we closed it down. And so that's, and that was a huge change in my life because I went from focusing on, building my mental health project to building my personal brand to building a marketing brand to now back to build my personal brand now building my mental health project and so it's like a, a huge wave of focusing and i realized you know what i need to focus on my speaking it's what i love it's easy to sell it just makes sense on every single aspect i can use that to leverage myself to get to other places that's a bit the brief rundown i think for me did you have i mean i don't know do you have insight 
on that, did you want to like share something that you were thinking of? I don't know. This is I, I I'm defaulting into my interview um, phase. <laughs> And I'm trying <laughs> not to. Do I have to. insight on what? Do I have insight on like your journey or like I don't? Well, yeah, I mean, because I'm gonna Luke. I'm gonna say some things about you. Oh, you're gonna talk trash? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a list stored up. Just gonna read off. Let me roll it down the hall. Just a second. <laughs> um, I think it's easy to say that since I've known you, mm-hmm. um. I haven't been clear on what your long-term plan was. Okay. Um, and I think that when it comes to personal branding, your audience should feel like they know where you're going, whether or not they actually do. So I think you've always been fair with personal branding because okay. your audience has always had this, this is what you do kind of a vibe from your content. Okay. But um, – being on the other side of that and knowing you personally, I've always questioned, like, I don't know. Well, not knowing what you're going to do next doesn't matter because I don't know what any entrepreneur is going to do <laughs> next. But I don't know what you plan on doing long term. And that's okay. something that I think makes it really hard to make decisions. I'm sure you do have a long term. Yeah. But if you don't have a clear long term direction, then it would make sense why you've been pivoting so much because – where uh, do you want to be? And okay. that's fine too. That's called a figuring it out process right. and entrepreneurs have that luxury. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and let's talk about that. Um, I mean, and we're definitely going to get into you because I have a lot, I mean, I know there's a, there's a lot to talk about as well, so I'm not neglecting you, but, um, and I realized I probably should have put you first, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll survive. Um, I really, I, I, for a long time, I was very not sure about where I wanted to be, you know, for a while, I really wanted to own a business, you know, with 20,000 employees and ruling the world. Um, for a long time, that's what I was moving towards. And that's why personal branding and the marketing firm were so important to me because it was set up for bigger and better companies. Mm-hmm. Um, after all of that went down though, I really took a hard look at what I wanted and I realized, you know what? I like freedom. I like mobility. I like simplicity. And I realized if I was a CEO of a huge corporation, my I would be miserable because I just I wouldn't have any freedom. I'd be I'd be tied. And I realized, you know what? I like it just being me. And I and for as long as possible, I'm gonna keep it as simple as possible. Me hire some contractors to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And what I really want to do is I want to speak. I want to coach. And I want to create products. That's it. That's it. And of what course, kind of products? Um, and that's and that's a big question. I don't, I don't know. Okay. Speaking courses, masterminds. I know we've talked. I mean, me and Clara. Um, if you've listened to the podcast at all, I mean, I know you. You know Clara, my former business. Partner. I don't listen to your podcast. <laughs> I was talking to the audience. <laughs> Moment of truth. That was Devin Tracy. Thanks for being on. <laughs> Now to our next caller. Right. But uh yeah, but like Claire and I we talked, we're like, seriously, like we need to have a mastermind. Um and I know we've talked about what mastermind mm-hmm. means. Okay. Yep. Um but we we realize like we can provide a lot of value. And so that's one thing that I want to do. I want to get a close group to together. And however that works, whether it's paid or whether it's just us bouncing ideas off each other, whatever it is. Um, that's something I want. So it, it depends. Like there's no, there's, I'm not fixed. 
on this uh, on like this step and this step and this step because I know from experience that doesn't work. Creating a problem that like, I'm going to create this product and then I'm going to do this and having a minute plan doesn't work. Everything changes. Do you ever plan on entering into like the physical product realm or Um, do you want to stay in the information side? I definitely see myself creating physical products. I I don't, I've actually given a lot of thought because I recently had a coaching call with someone who creates um, physical art products and it's Mm. really cool. And it really piqued my interest in physical products because I could see how creative you can be with them, you know? So, I, yeah, so, and that's, I think, just a lesson I really took from this that I think anyone can apply is that you're going to have to do a lot of things in order to find out what you want. You're going to have right. to really imagine, imagine yourself walking into work, you know, and what do you see? Do you see yourself working at the company? Do you see yourself being a manager? Do you see yourself owning the company? Do you see yourself waking up in, you know, Italy, working on your computer, typing up some emails, recording a podcast, and then you have the rest of the day ahead of you? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think, and I don't know, have you seen this? Because I feel like entrepreneurs, the entrepreneurial world tend to, I hate the word shame. It's so overused these days but tend to be little people who don't want to be like huge powerful entrepreneurs. That's just like the do you do you get that feeling or is that just me? Like if you don't want to own a company with a lot of employees and you know it does a, that's huge that you're not a real entrepreneur. You just want an I, easy life. I think that I can name at least a few really powerful influencers who very strongly stand against that. Okay. Um I mean the the first one who comes to mind is probably the first one who would come to anybody's mind who's in the like educational side of entrepreneurship, which is Tim Ferriss. Oh, wow. um, like it, it's he might have made it okay to not own a massive business. He might have hmm. been that movement because he was very much the lifestyle entrepreneur movement. Um, he he can own that. But uh, there's people like Arnie Grisky whose entire focus is teaching people how to make profit off of Facebook groups. Um, Arnie right. Grisky. He doesn't have a huge business. He's a solopreneur, as far as I can tell. Oh, really? Um, okay. He uh, he might have a small team, right? But I think he just subcontracts, and mm-hmm. he will. I don't think he breaks a million a year, but he can. Oh, okay. He chooses not to. He likes his lifestyle. Right. Um, but I mean, Russell Brunson invited him to speak at Funnel Hackers Live. <laughs> so I, like, and Russell has a massive. Oh, yeah. SaaS company, oh, like yeah. a massive yeah. SaaS company, and he's like, "Yeah, this guy's great." <laughs> so, okay, I think that that line, I think there is that culture, but I think that culture is very much being fought by kind of new age entrepreneurs. Okay, yeah, and um, I think a lot of people are saying that the lifestyle is more important, and exactly, there is still within that group the. Uh, you have to choose at different stages in your business whether you're in a hustle business or you're in a lifestyle business. Mm-hmm. You cannot have a lifestyle business if your goal is to grow. That's exactly. the issue. Yeah. Yeah. A lifestyle business will keep you where you are. But if where you are is good, then that's good. <laughs> yeah, um, I like it. what you want. <laughs> I've never actually heard that term, lifestyle business versus hustle business. It's, actually, it's, a, such a, it's, a, it's a great way of putting it. I love it. Because right. I know and, there's these um, – the, the real – thing that really inspired me towards this when I kind of saw what I was missing was it's these um these marketers these it's these two girls they're two friends 
And mm. they, what, what is their name? Bucket list bombshells, I think, is what they're called. Mm. It's Clara's friend. Heard of them. Oh, yeah. Clara, Clara heard of them. loves them. She's followed them. I can never get the name right. I can never remember who they are. Um, I thought they're, they were cool, but they didn't really, I didn't really form a connection. Resonate? Yeah, it didn't resonate. Um, but they travel, and they own a marketing firm, and it's all mm-hmm. um, remote. And mm-hmm. so they travel everywhere. They do things, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not necessarily like the travel guy, but like I like that freedom. Right. I, I want that freedom, um, and especially you know, with speaking and coaching, that also affords you, like people pay you to go places. So, and you live literally in the first generation of human history where that's easily accessible. Yep. Exactly. Um, because public speakers have been able to pull that off for the last fifty to seventy-five years. Yeah. And so you're in a group that already could have done that. Right. But typical entrepreneurs, this is the first generation that can be anywhere and still have a profitable large business. Mm -hmm. Um, The restrictions are whether or not that coffee shop has Wi-Fi. And (laughs) in West Mm -hmm. Bengal, India, tiny, tiny little town nobody's ever heard of, um, we had rolling blackouts. But when we had power, I had internet. (laughs) (laughs) It was really easy nowadays to be it's hard to get yourself so remote that you can't exactly. have a successful business. Yep. And that's a beautiful yep. thing that we have. Yeah. Um, I know. It's, it's just – it's it's interesting. I mean before what you'd have to do is you'd have to basically just hire someone to take over the company. Someone else would run it and you could live the life that you wanted while collecting you know, that steady income yep. uh, because your business is growing. Of course, that relies on someone running it for you and you have to trust that person to do you it well. You have to build it all the way up first. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so tell me – so I mean, because I I already knew, and 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 this is a policy of mine. I never like discussing things beforehand, because then we end up reiterating them. <laughs> Doesn't work with us. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was too late. I mean, it was just too late. <laughs> we already we already had this conversation. Like, you know what? We need to record a podcast episode. Um, but kind of go through. I don't know. The last year or so, you know, when things have really been changing, when you've been kind of settling and figuring out things, um, kind of just take us through that. Tell us what's been going on. Okay. Um, if we're going to go in about a year time lapse, then I'm going to extend it a little bit longer. And yeah. I'm just going to like introduce myself to your audience, basically, because you know me too well. I actually, um, I actually didn't introduce you, did I? <laughs> no, you did You did like you introduced me in the first podcast, and then in the intro here, you mentioned it. Did so I, I feel say, like we're good. Okay, I, I, I thought I didn't even <laughs> mention your name. <laughs> I thought I just started talking. We'll figure it out on post. No, I don't know. Yeah, I'll figure out on post. You'll be like, you're just, you'll just see you here, Devin Tracy. And then there's just like the rest of the podcast goes on. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> Devin Tracy, my um, marketing slash copywriting slash entrepreneurial slash productivity slash a lot of different things. Uh, mm, productivity. Yeah, productivity. <laughs> I know, but I see you. I, I just see you for some reason. I just see you as a marketer. I don't know why, but I always have. Maybe just that's fair. Yeah. So that's fair. Um, yes. So what I meant by what I didn't, that wasn't meant as an attack at you. I just thought I'm <laughs> going to talk to your audience. Yeah, I'm not yeah, going to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so when Luke and I first met, it was actually because I saw Luke as a guest on the Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast. Yeah. If you guys haven't heard of the podcast, well, it's it's a phenomenal podcast. I don't think either of us listen to it anymore. But <laughs> at our early days in entrepreneurship, I think it was very valuable yeah. to both of us. Yeah, it was. And um, Luke at the time was 
fully involved in his public speaking. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was trying to launch my first business, which at its base level was a public speaking business. Um, I was teaching confidence and I wanted digital products and I wanted books and I didn't realize until I was really deep into it that it was basically just a speaking business. (laughs) But in that, um, I kind of boiled down to, it was probably November of last year that, and at this point, Luke and I had already known each other for probably two years. Um, Yeah, about. And I kind of just sat down and did the analysis on what it would take, because this was basically a hobby business at the time. It was a business that paid for itself, but it took a lot of work to get it to pay for itself. (laughs) So I looked at what all it would take to make it a profitable business that would give me the lifestyle that I wanted, which I'm sure, Luke, you've done this because you're a public speaker. (laughs) Um, And when I saw the work attached to it, I didn't love the business enough to do that work. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I phrase it that way because it wasn't that I wasn't willing to do the work. It's that I wasn't willing to do the work for that business. Exactly. Um, I had a passion for it that wasn't deep enough to get me through the grind that that would take. So I went, man, what do I do? Um, I already know I can't go back to like being an employee. That's not where I'm going to rest, um, which I did, by the way, take a job because switching from that business to a new business, it's like, what do you – I mean, I had to too. I had to take jobs too. I'm not shaming that. In my mindset, I'm not an employee and I'm not employable. So (laughs) – (laughs) Um, I'm in sales and I do well enough in sales that they keep me, but I don't think anybody would like, I'm not an employable person. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you do have a degree in what math, you have a degree in mathematics with a, with a minor in statistics, right? Or statistical Mm -hmm. analysis. So you are very accurate. Yeah. Uh, So I don't, I don't have a degree. I didn't, I didn't, didn't, I'm not completing college. So, um, yeah, no, I would, I mean, so for you to say that you're unemployable, that's kind of funny for me because I'm like, see, I'm like, actually like. You well, like, unemployable is a mindset, Luke. Right, exactly. I, yeah. So um, unemployable, the mindset, not not that's just to clarify right. for people listening, because I know you so well. Like the mindset <laughs> of just like I don't want to work for somebody, um, rather than you having like no degree and no skills, and like you didn't graduate from high school, and no one will take you. Like not that kind no, of. No, on paper, um, there are a few very high paying careers that I am very like ideal for exactly yeah. if i wrote a resume <laughs> <laughs> have you but, not uh, written a resume oh dude i have a i have such a nice resume oh, okay okay i thought you i thought you said you haven't written a resume i I'm said like, if what? i wrote a resume but oh, um for those jobs got it okay yeah yeah i was I, really surprised when i was in that business one of the things that i did because i was passionate about it in my time and it was just because i was still a college student really mm-hmm. is um I created a course that would teach people how to write a resume. Um, oh, cool. Okay. And in order to do that, I bought a lot of courses that taught people how to write resumes. <laughs> and I like, I actually went and I talked to people who made careers out of it. Mm-hmm. And I studied and I learned what made a good resume. And then I wrote one. <laughs> but what I did was, and I still do this, is I wrote this long list of everything that I had done. And it's probably like six pages on a Google Doc now. And wow. if I ever have to apply for a job, I just go and I pick the bullets that hit oh, that smart. job. Yeah. Um, because the the truth is, and this goes for literally everybody. Mm-hmm. 
you will forget how amazing you are. Mm-hmm. And you've yeah. done so much in your life that would be such a valuable statement to make that you're not going to remember it all. Um, like some easy examples that I have in my life is I'm a published author. I'm a published mm-hmm. poet and I'm a published, published playwright. Mm-hmm. I've been on TV reading my poetry. Oh, really? If I, I didn't know that. If I have those bullets, those are things I would legitimately forget. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not towards my core focus and yeah. it's just not in my mind. It's in the past <laughs> that it happened and it's not – you don't like bring it up every day. Right. I bring it up in interviews and I hand them my book. But like <laughs> – in any sense, so I decided that this wasn't a business that I wanted to put the grind in to do, and I reached out to somebody who I know to be a very successful entrepreneur, and I asked them, and this is just somebody I'm friends with on Facebook. I don't, I've never had a real conversation with them, uh-huh. but they always respond in Messenger. Oh, cool. um, so uh, I reached out to them, and I said, hey, how do you decide when you're going to pivot? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, she responded and she goes, well, there's a really simple matrix that you look at. And if what you're doing isn't in the right spot in this matrix, stop doing it. If what you're trying to do isn't in the right spot in this matrix, don't do it. Um, so you okay. need to figure out what's in the right spot and that's what you pursue. And think of it as like a three-way Venn diagram. Can we okay. can we have a picture in the show notes? Because I can make this really yeah. quick. And, yeah. Okay, cool. Just, That's, uh, <laughs> you can create a note just to make sure you do that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, basically, it's uh, what you enjoy, what you're good at, and what pays well. Okay. And if you don't get the sweet spot in the middle, don't pursue it. Um, that was her advice. Okay. And this was last November, December time that I started looking at it. And I was like, okay, so... What hits all three of these boxes? And after a few years in the entrepreneurial space, without being necessarily successful, mm-hmm. I mean, I was my business was paying for itself, but it wasn't paying my bills. Was so this like, was this the market? This was the was this the the Prometheus story? Pro? Prometheus. Oh, this is Prometheus Pro. Okay. It was. So I just want to clarify for people listening. Um, So Prometheus Pro was the business where you were teaching confidence. You were teaching – it was basically – I mean it it was basically personal development was I think in in some mission. At its core, it boiled down to me being a public speaker, talking on confidence 99% of the time. Exactly, yeah. And very rarely was I lucky enough to get a speaking gig where I was able to talk about something else um, because I had built that strong image of this. Welcome in a niche in yourself. <laughs> You're like, hey, right. I want to talk about this. Oh, wait, no one will pay me to. I well, wonder like, why. Thing, our, our last uh, – when I was on as an interview, yeah, like everything that I talked about productivity is something that I was deeply passionate about yeah. that I wanted to speak on. Yeah. And – I had built too good of a name for myself in the area that I was speaking as the guy who spoke on confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so exactly. that was a bad thing. Yeah, it's like t- me telling people, oh, yeah, I gave a talk on business. They're like, business? What? I thought you were the, like, the mental health guy. I'm like, right. no, I do, I do other things too. But I remember I asked you, I said, what do you want to talk about? And you said productivity. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. Let's do yep. that. I don't like. Yep. I don't care that, what you... that made that happen. Yeah, <laughs> and we ended up having what an hour and a half long. But um, I would a lot of my gigs were in uh, networking networking groups. Yeah, and I would talk to the curator of six networking groups, and she would have me speak at all of her networking groups. Mm-hmm. And she's, I would like tell her like, these are the topics that I want to talk on, 
And she like researched me and she's like, you're talking on confidence. <laughs> like, yeah, cause she knew I was good at it. Cause she saw the evidence that I was good at that. And right. there wasn't right. any backwards evidence that I was good at any other topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, in any sense, this is, this is a digression in my mind. Um, I was like, this isn't what I want to do moving forward. It doesn't hit all three areas strong enough. I enjoy it, but not enough. It would pay well, but not well enough. And I'm good at it, but honestly, probably not good enough. <laughs> I mean, there's a so lot just, of people that teach confidence. Right. And some of them are phenomenal. Yep. Thank um, you. <laughs> most of them aren't good enough at marketing. Yep. Honestly. Um, because if you want to learn from the best person in the world at confidence, mm-hmm. because of the marketing giant that he is, you think it's Tony Robbins. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not. Tony's phenomenal. But it very well might not be. Right. right. And I, 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 I totally believe that it's not him. Because for like, I won't go that far, but well, I mean, I'm just gonna totally, say I don't know. It's very reasonable to assume that it's it's not like there's no evidence to say that he is. It's all I mean he's built his brand, and that's I mean and that's what it is. It's like um, Nike, you know, thinking oh they're they're the best sports apparel right. place because they have that brand. It doesn't right. mean that they do. It just means they're good at marketing. Right. And, and some, honestly, Tony Robbins is only actually really good at one thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's it's uh, NLP. Tony yeah. Robbins is the world leader in NLP, that, and that's hands down so unarguable. Just take a second, yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah, take us through NLP. Um, it's neuro linguistic programming mm-hmm. uh, is what that stands for. And my understanding, honestly, my copywriter is a way better person to talk to about it because he mm-hmm. studied it deeply for copywriting. Yeah. But um, my understanding is basically that NLP is to date, the most effective form found in reprogramming your own brain yep. in a quick time frame. Um, so what Tony Robbins can do with that is almost anything with mental health. Um, right. But that doesn't mean he's an expert in every field. It, it means that he can motivate you quickly. <laughs> mm. um, and if you take his lessons and actually apply them, you can motivate yourself quickly. Yep. And you can change your thinking and you can make yourself a better person based on what he teaches. Um, that doesn't mean that he knows anything outside of NLP and how to perform it, but it means we think he does because he changes our thinking <laughs> and he's really good at it. Yeah. Oh. Well, and that, and that applies to so many things though. And also it's just like experience. It's like, well, cause what, how is he, is he 60 yet? Is he must be over. He must like, he's had so he, much experience running billion dollar businesses. You don't just do that and not pick up anything. Like, right. Like he's very, I agree. I totally see that, um, but I think that's one, and that's one advantage. I think also because, like, what this is what I did is that focus on mental health. But in order to do that, in order to get speaking gigs, I had to do five billion other things. And so, you know, seventeen years old, I had, I didn't have, I couldn't pay anyone to do it, so I had to learn it. Right. And and I think that's it's just such an advantage is that don't be afraid to niche yourself because you're gonna learn everything that goes along with it. Like there's no – you can't be successful and not learn about a lot of various parts of running a business, of your field, of different fields. Um, and even just like – that's what I want, another reason why I love doing interviews 
is because you know someone right. else's knowledge, yeah. someone else's perspective. Yeah. I'm like, hey, that's really interesting. I want, um, I want to learn this. <laughs> so I, I will, uh, I will say to your audience, if there's anybody in your audience who's actually entrepreneurial, mm-hmm. and that's the direction that you guys want to move, straight up, the most efficient way to do it, money is a lot cheaper of an asset than time. If you have the money, spend it. Yeah. If you don't, then you're gonna have to do what Luke and I did, and you're gonna have to build it, and you're gonna yeah. have to. Value. You're gonna have to give a lot more time, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think anybody who's done it would argue it wouldn't have been better to throw a hundred grand at paying the right people. Yes, but well, if you don't have a hundred grand, then you don't pay. Like it's sweat equity instead. So, uh, so here's here's an interesting thing. I don't think I've actually ever told. So here, with that though, I'm gonna present a counter argument. Part of my mindset is that. I don't I don't have a big budget and I don't need to. I agree with so, you. So yes, On I the spend second part. I don't know your budget. <laughs> well, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's small. Very, very small budget. Um like in general, like life. Right? I live I've live I live very uh, I don't know, frugal's not the right word because that means like I'm like stealing mattresses from dumpsters. Um but but um I I made the decision because Let's say I spend because I you you're definitely a fan of spending money uh, spending money getting things done quickly, yes. um, and I remember when I was telling you about the soundproofing that I built, yeah, and you're like, how <laughs> long did that take you? And I said, oh, it was about like six hours or so. You're like, why didn't why didn't you just buy it? Like that's such a waste of time. Um, but for me, if I if I have the mindset of uh, you know what? It's not a whole lot of time. I can do this, and it's a good experience that I want to learn. Then I'm going to because all of a sudden, I have more freedom because I can spend my time doing that because I don't need to spend that time build like make worried about making money. You know, so that's kind of like the counter argument that to that to that, and it goes both ways. Like it depends on what you want to do. Do you want to build a massive business? You're gonna have to spend money. But if you more want to just like live, I want to be me. I want to be have freedom. I want to do what I want. I want to be able to pivot and change and create. Then maybe the opportunity is well, the the offset is time. You're gonna have to spend some time doing other stuff. But in the end, that creates freedom because you're able to live a life that you actually want to live. You know. See, my um my analysis process on whether I'm gonna do it myself or whether I'm gonna pay somebody to do it mm-hmm. has always been baseline and this is what I would recommend to most people who are entrepreneurial and even people who like you have a job and you're gonna have to take time off work to do this. You're putting yourself in a mindset that you're losing money now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're not gonna take time off work, you're gonna do it after work, keep that mindset. Keep Okay. It decide in your mind what your hourly rate is right and how long a task is going to take you and if it costs more in time than it would have to pay for it mm-hmm. then i say pay for it there right. are two exceptions to this right yeah I, well i agree to that but yes the, the, one one exception that i make is if you literally have the time and you don't have the money mm-hmm. yeah then you do it yourself and you take the cost right the other exception is if you thoroughly enjoy it mm-hmm. 
If you thoroughly enjoy it, then throw that entire process out the window because it's worth the time. Yep. (laughs) And I and I would add, um, if you wanted to gain experience, like I wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to sit down with someone and they asked me, "How do I start a podcast? How do I start recording, creating content?" I say, "Should I buy? Should I, you know, should I, you know, not spend a lot of money on soundproofing?" I'm able to say, "Here's what my room sounded like before I soundproofed it. I made the decision to build my own." Don't do that. Bye. And now I, I'm able to be a much better coach, and I have that advantage over someone who ha- hired someone to set up a recording room for them and has no idea what went into it. Um, I mean, not no idea. That's a little disparaging. But so for me, it, it all comes back down to gaining experience and, and having a that. story. And uh, the, the caution I would give you is entrepreneurs, business owners, by nature – have to be T-shaped. So yeah. we need to have a baseline knowledge in everything that goes on in our business mm-hmm. so that we can recognize when something needs to change. Exactly. And we need to stick to our focus and hire out the rest of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with you. And I, because podcasting is part of your focus, I, I actually that, – that makes more sense to me than the conversation that we had originally. <laughs> well, I remember originally I didn't I – didn't, I just didn't like say it right, and I realized afterwards I'm like he got the wrong impression from that. Oh well, we'll talk later. Like, <laughs> um. do you think that when when having that calculation of this is how much my time is worth, do you think about what you taught your time should be worth? What you think that you are worth with your skill set? Or what you are actually making. Because here's the difference. Um, Especially I remember when I did this calculation a while ago when I was spending a lot of time doing the wrong kind of sales. I mean, it was just I was not spending my time well at all. And I realized that and I ended up correcting it. Uh, I was just it was a bad sales campaign. It was I was spending way too much time in marketing and it was just it was just bad. And I realized that I'm making like right now, like three dollars an hour and i realized that i'm like that's not good like that's 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 not great at all i'm like is that my value then and so for you how when you when you have that calculation is what do you is it what you think your time should be worth or what your time is actually worth right now so when i've given this advice to people as far as like coaching aspect Mm -hmm. um i've told them and this is this is usually my wording. Yeah. I, I want to say always, but I don't know what I always say. But my wording is usually however much you make an hour at your job right now is the minimum that your time is worth because you've agreed to that much at least. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Personally, um, the I got this. I, I always believed it, but I didn't know the words for it until um, one of my coaches, Taylor Welsh, mentioned that – he won't do something himself unless he saves more than $500 an hour by doing it himself because that's what he charges for coaching. Exactly. <laughs> that's how much and, he is worth per hour. Right. And I'll be honest because uh, the program that I was in with him, that's not how much he charges for coaching. That's his right. mindset on what his hour should be worth. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. Because he doesn't do one-on-one coaching directly oh, okay. Oh, okay. he does group coaching so he charges differently and he right. doesn't actually charge that much per hour okay. but um it's a mindset mm-hmm. so personally 
I'm going to value it not at what I fully think I'm worth, like not what I think my time's worth because that is excessive at this stage in my business. Okay. Um, because if I value it at what I believe my time is worth and what I know, well, what I know my time is worth, mm-hmm. then I'm going to deplete my savings every time a task comes up. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's and that's <laughs> um, the problem. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. So uh, the balance that I use is my job right now pays me a base of like twelve twenty five plus commissions. Right, because you're in sales, um, and that's right. pretty normal. Yeah. It's um, actually the exact same amount that I was making when I was in sales. Right. Hmm, interesting. So uh, if I went with my base, then I don't make very much an hour, and that's not that, – that makes it a really easy decision most of the time. I'm going to do it myself. Exactly. But uh, if I went with my average on what I make a month, it elevates it a little bit. Mm-hmm. If I go with the value that I think I'm at, it elevates it a lot. Yep. Um, I've baselined it, and I'm like, if it's going to save me at least $20 an hour. So I'm valuing myself at $20 an hour with yeah. personal tasks that I can perform. Mm-hmm. I mean, I uh, I just I just built a computer. Right. And you, you know this because you know all the headaches I've had with it. But yeah. um, I bought the parts and I built the computer mm-hmm. because I knew that the computer would take an hour to build. And getting it pre-built would cost an extra 600 bucks. Exactly. So that was a value assessment, and mm-hmm. I was like, it's going to make – now, I had a few hiccups. <laughs> a few, so a few hiccups. Analysis, <laughs> my analysis wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but I know that a build typically takes an hour. Right. And I knew worst-case scenario, it wasn't going to cost me $600 for the time. Right, <laughs> right. And so I guess I kind of danced around your question. I can't answer directly, mm-hmm. but when I'm coaching people, I tell them at a minimum – Go with what you've already agreed to get paid hourly. Yep, exactly, and that's and that's the same thing. What I think about uh, while I was really still trying to solidify it while you were talking, because it's more of like an intuitive thing, is that because mm-hmm. a lot of different things are in play. It's not just time. There's experience. There's knowledge. There mm-hmm. is struggle. There's overcoming something. There's doing something difficult. Right. The value of you know achieving something and putting yourself in that mindset of doing something that you think you can't or that you don't know how to. Um, so it's, it's, there's a lot of intangible aspects. And I think, I think you're on to something. There's another thing that if it's the first time you've done something that you didn't know how to do, remember, you will be prideful at the end of it. You will feel oh, yeah. a sense of pride yep. and that's valuable too. Yep. <laughs> and that's not something that I ever put in my analysis. Right. So it's <laughs> intangible. So a lot of it is intuitive and a lot of it is looking at, okay, what can I actually afford? Because I'm very budget-oriented. I stick to my right. budget. I do my budget. And I don't, like, in very rare occasions, I'll go over it. <laughs> so, like, that's – I mean, that's just my mindset because, you know, I have to. Um, right. And – but what I kind of do is I think, you know what? How much how much pain is this going to cause me? Like, how, how angry will I be if I do this myself? Mm. Like how – because let's say like here's an example. My brother's a very talented um, videographer, editor, and graphic designer, right? When I have a logo, I give it to him and I say make this, like polish this up, vectorize it. Like give me everything that I – give me this logo and every single variation that I need it. And you know what? He does it and I give him 50 bucks. (laughs) Whereas I could do that. I have the knowledge to do that. I would have to 
remember how to use Illustrator because that's what you need. And I'd have to like figure out all the tiny little things about it. I'd have to do the little tiny, like he does by pixel, perfect. Everything is in place. He uses, he spends hours, you know, rounding different tools that I would never, I would never even notice. I, if I did that, I would be ready to just punch through a wall. Like I, I, that's another thing that I really think of is like, will I be angry at the end of this? Yes. Can I pay someone else to do that? Yes. Do it. Also factoring in like, okay, how much is my time worth per hour? And I think, you know what, how much, how much is my time worth right now? What's the minimum right along that mindset and how much, how much do I think my time is worth? Cause I need to value myself. And that's about mm-hmm. the mindset is valuing yourself. Yep. And that helps you work efficiently and effectively too. Yep. And <clears throat> I will point out that that's just entertaining. Cause that's, that points out the dichotomy between you and me because <laughs> of our mindsets. Yeah. In the same exact situation, um, when I needed a logo, yeah, I don't know how to make one. <laughs> I I paid somebody else right. because I didn't want to learn. Exactly. Um, and the interesting thing is the person that I paid, because um, I, I found somebody on Fiverr, right? Um, and I liked his work, and so I reached out to him. And when I, I told him what I wanted, he quoted me, mm-hmm. and he quoted me something around fifty bucks. I mean, it's Fiverr. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. um, Scored me something around fifty bucks, and then he gave he did a fantastic job. Cool. And I learned because I didn't know this that Fiverr will let me overpay him. So I yeah, did. Yeah, you can you can tip him. Yeah. <laughs> so I I think I paid him like one hundred and seventy bucks. Really? Because he only asked for fifty, and I wow. looked at what the actual market rate is. Oh, it's expensive. And I was like. And this dude lives in India, and yeah. so like the money yeah. is different. And I'm like, we get it. You're a nice person. That's like, <laughs> I wanted to pay him what he worth. I know, I know, I know, I'm, I know. Um, but no, it, it is true. And in fact, so here the funny thing is, is that, um, right? I learned how to make a logo. Mm-hmm. Of college foundation ended up paying me to make their logo. Like so, that's where like where I see like. I, because I got in contact with this, you know, the found the nonprofit arm of the of the college, mm-hmm. and they said, yeah. I didn't so know they had such a thing. Yeah, every <laughs> most pretty much every college does, especially huh. this is so it's a community college. So, mm-hmm. um, right. So there's thirty thousand students, and a lot of them need help, and so you donate instead of donating to the college, you donate to the nonprofit associated with the college. So it's a weird like because they're the nonprofit and the college is a is like a profit pr- is it for profit yeah so or a government uh, agency so it's just a it's just like a business like legal thing yeah yeah it basically is a college but yeah they're like oh yeah we need a logo I'm like, oh I can do that and I did nice. um and so I mean <laughs> see again and here's what I would do if that opportunity came up through conversation or interaction or whatever mm-hmm. because. I think my brand is very much one where people would assume I can do that, especially me. Oh, yeah, no. Because yeah. I haven't even gotten to what I do yet because we got sidetracked. Well, yeah, we're getting, we're getting there. We have we'll time. We'll get there. But with me, um, it's really what my, my focus is within my business is creating the system. So people would think that I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I'd yeah. be like, yeah, I'll, I will charge you like, I don't know, 500 bucks. I'm not going to charge you a ton. 500 yeah. bucks. And then I'm going to go find my guy on Fiverr. Like, <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, no, exactly. Yeah, and of and course we ended up 170 bucks, and he's gonna be stoked, and I'm gonna be stoked, and I'm yeah. not gonna do anything. I'm gonna be a middleman. Exactly. Like, <laughs> well, and and still, like even with, uh, yeah, and and with, um, I think my real experience came with 
the creation obviously i still hired my brother to polish it up and stuff uh, i'm not i'm not i'm not about well, to do now that. i have now i have this podcast episode out and now people won't hire me to do that anymore <laughs> they're gonna know the well, truth but well i mean well what well, your talent though is you know you know where to go you know like people just and that's and that's why i think and I, I keep connections because I've sent him work. Exactly. So and I and I've done that too. Like I my the guy who creates this podcast intro that we just heard. I mean you didn't, but the, everyone no, listening did. Right. Because um, I added it in post. That was created on Fiverr. I've made three podcasts. I've hired him three times. I mm-hmm. will hire him again when we for our podcast because we still need to get all of that set up. Mm-hmm. And I tell and ever and anyone asks me about it, I send them to him or her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think I actually know whether, but this person, right, on Fiverr. And it's the amazing. unfortunate thing to me is that Fiverr doesn't have an affiliate kickback. Because I'd yeah. be like, I would use, I mean, I already send everybody his way. Right. I'll be honest. But like, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, they might, I mean, they probably will build it. I don't know. You think it makes sense. Oh, but. I wanted to kind of move then because we were talking about like basically in our in our in our in our notes like talking about pivoting. Okay, now let's pivot ourselves um, to kind of what's going on right now, and I yeah. think this will be the setup for our podcast because what we're kind of our, I think our goal with it, and we still we're still solidifying everything with it, but it's basically to talk about things that are happening, our experience, our stories. Um, and then just discuss them and see, and see, you know, what value can come up with some with from them. There's, it's not like a hard, like education to teach you how to do this in three steps. Boom, boom, boom. We're done. It's more of like, this is an entrepreneurial journey. This is a real entrepreneurial journey, um, from someone, you know, without startup, who's not living in Silicon Valley, who's trying to create something good and valuable and then, you know, grow and see what the journey is like and learn from it so that we can avoid the pitfalls and mistakes that we made. Um, and I wanted to kind of pivot to now. Um, so what's the current business that you're running now for those of right. our listeners who so, don't know? Like when I was saying last year, I kind of decided what should I do? Right. What I Every business connection that I had for the years that I'd been in business, mm-hmm. everybody who was in business that I connected with mm-hmm. would tell me everything that I did wrong and then end it with, dude, you have killer copy. Your marketing's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like they would, that was always the end statement. It was you need to change this, 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 and this. But dude, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. That's yeah, what, I did. mean, yeah, I was one of so, those people. Um, when I was looking at that analysis, what do I enjoy that people say I'm good at that pays well? Marketing fit the mold, mm-hmm. and so I also like looked into how much that would take, and was like, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that on my own. Right. Uh, so I went out and I found my copywriter, who mm-hmm. I talked about often and i call him my copywriter he owns half the company yeah i know yeah i, I love how you're like yeah my guy yeah just my guy <laughs> wait I, I wanted to i don't think i i don't know if i know this story i might remember it when you tell it how did you find him you say you went out and found a business partner like how how did you how did you meet him how did you how do you find someone that you go just go into business with? okay um nick he yes he's my co-founder yeah um he writes all the copy for everything that we do now. And oh, uh, okay. when I first met Nick, both of us were going to the same college. Okay. And we didn't meet there. Both of us had the same part-time job. Oh, really? Okay. We, we both had part-time jobs at Home Depot. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Um, but when I first met Nick, 
I pitched him on an MLM that I was in because I was in multi-level marketing yeah, before I started were. my own business. Yep. Um, and honestly, the conversations that I started having with Nick had a big pull on why I left multi-level marketing. Mm. Um, simultaneously, the conversations that I had with Nick drove him to entrepreneurship. So mm. we met in the middle, basically. Um, okay. But uh, after that, years went by. We still had connection. We interacted, but... Um, I was keeping close enough tabs on him that I knew what he was good at and I knew what he was focusing on at the time. So when I say I went out and found him, it wasn't a hard look. It was who in my contact list is best for this role. Exactly. And he was just the obvious answer to me. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I need to talk to you. And so we got on the phone and in 20 minutes, I closed him on the idea. Two weeks later, we were signing paperwork. Um, Nice. Nice. So that's how I (laughs) <laughs> but um, okay okay yeah i wanted because for some people you can say like because i mean after i got into business with clara i used to not be an advocate of having a business partner i'm like just do it yourself you'll be fine you'll learn a lot whatever like you'll you and after i got in business with clara i'm like oh wait oh i was wrong i was actually there's a lot of value in having a business partner and for some people it's like well how do i find one because i don't know okay. anyone who's interested in business and so, that's why i wanted to clarify with you so here's uh, my honest thoughts on having a business partner. Well, Nine times out of ten, you don't need one. Um, in the right. business that I started, I probably didn't need one. Need is an interesting word, right? It but is, uh, yeah. there's only a few good reasons to take on a co-founder mm-hmm. um, or take on a partner. Right. Um, I think the if you have the funds, honestly, the smartest thing to do is to hire your co-founder right. and yeah, like give them a small cut. And a salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, don't give up 50% equity if you can avoid it because that's going to be valuable. Right. But um, give them a good salary and a small cut so they have skin in the game. Exactly. Yeah. But one reason you might need a co founder is legitimately funding. Depends on what you're going to start, what business yeah. you're in, but especially if you're going to be in the tech industry, you need funding. Right. And having a co founder might be a lot more valuable than having several rounds of funding and just liquidating and losing your assets um that's one reason another reason would be if you know that there are skills that you don't have that you don't want like i don't want to learn that field i don't want to learn that side of it well rather than just hiring somebody to do it Mm -hmm. if it's an important enough task like Again, if I'm going to use the same like a tech industry, if it's if it is the side of like running the coding, that's an important enough task. That person needs skin in the game. Yeah. And if you can't afford a salary, give them partnership. Mm-hmm. It's kind of um, why I did it was that reason. It was I don't want and actually he's my copywriter. I I wasn't world class copywriter. But people constantly commented, complimented me on it, and I had never studied it. Mm-hmm. So I could have got good at it. Right. I just didn't want to take on so much. Mm-hmm. So I hired a, or I found a co-founder. I didn't hire him. Um, we have 50-50 right. split. Yeah. So yeah. We, but um, I found a co-founder because I didn't want to take on so much, and he would just help me split the workload. Mm-hmm. As far as finding one, my, like, my story might not help with that, but there right. are – really easy strategies on finding them and honestly um i'm saying really easy strategies on finding people saying that term <laughs> i'm a marketer finding people isn't hard for me by definition right yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's what i do so that's not fair i don't think but 
Um, literally, right now, today, as of recording, the fastest, easiest way to find a good co-founder is probably in the ClickFunnels group. And it's not posting and asking for a co-founder. Okay. It's interacting with people. Like, you could find a very viable co-founder in a month if you just comment on posts, take it to PM, and then just figure it out the people it worked. I've had people propose, like, I uh, through that, cause, and I say that one because it's the largest entrepreneur Facebook group right. I think there is right now. There's 190,000 yeah. members. I made sure I just um, take a note so that way we uh, put in the show notes. Yeah. Um, there's like 190,000. And I mean, ClickFunnels, if you guys don't know, is it, it's a software, it's a SaaS company that's right. designed to make it really easy to do the second stage of marketing after the ads, basically. Yeah, if you're a listener of mine, you've probably seen the ad somewhere on Facebook because you're in the demographic <laughs> that they're marketing to. Right. Um, but the group is the largest entrepreneur-based group on Facebook. There's 190,000 members, and a lot of the people are very successful entrepreneurs, and most of them aren't. Mm. Um, but it's... I mean, through that group, I uh, I met somebody who owns a uh, manufacturing plant in not India, Pakistan, okay. in Pakistan, right. who it, it creates martial arts gear, and That's he cool. wanted a partner in the U.S. and mm-hmm. so he tried to give me part of his company. Um, <laughs> oh wow! And so we had the negotiation of this over Messenger, and then we had several phone calls, mm-hmm. and. After about a month of interacting with him, I realized how poor his business plan was, and I realized how poor his strategy was, and yeah. how limited I would be in helping him. Yeah. And so I didn't take him up on it. Mm-hmm. But like those are things that I know can happen just inside the right group. So mm-hmm. if you want to find a co-founder because you don't know anybody but you want partnership, you start – don't post and ask, hey, I'm looking for a co-founder. That's, right. that's not going to work. What will work – is posting and asking questions just about mm-hmm. business and commenting and responding on questions. And when people seem like they know what they're doing, take them into a personal message, have a conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And if they seem like a good fit, and remember, you're starting out, so you need this balance of how good is my idea right? and how successful is this person? Because if my idea isn't an idea, like digit, I'm a, I run a digital marketing agency. That's not an idea. That's not something new. <laughs> um, so when I pitched that, if I was looking for a co-founder this way, I couldn't find somebody who I knew was successful and had funding. It wouldn't be fair to them. I would need mm-hmm. to find somebody who has sweat equity like I do, yep. somebody in a similar boat like, yep. hey, let's walk this journey together. Yep. I mean, this is just – it's dating. Right. That's what this is. I um, mean – if you post, you know, if you're, if you're, yeah, if you just go analogy. around, if you go to a bar and like, I want a girlfriend, somebody date me, you're, you're not, no, everyone will ignore you and probably kick you out. Like no one wants you there. But if you walk, if you're talking to someone and you start asking about themselves and get them talking about themselves and you get to know them as a person and you start interacting with them and sharing stories and laughing together, right. all of a sudden you have a relationship, not necessarily like a romantic relationship, but you have a relationship. It's the same thing with any kind of sales is that my goal is always to make right. a relationship, right? And I guess in sales where like romantic relationship would mean like you actually close a deal with them. <laughs> um, but yeah, my goal is like, okay, this form a relationship. And, and it's funny that you say that because we want to talk about sales anyway. Um, and, I, and I wanted to, and I think this is a good place to kind of switch over. 
Um, talking about sales, I, I, I have a love-hate relationship with sales. I love sales because I know exactly what I need to do in order to make money. I do this, this amount of times for this long, I make money. Like there's no, like there's no question about it. There's no wondering. There's no, what if I like change this word in my ad does like this much better or people like like this or comment and share like, like it doesn't go viral. Like there's no, there's, there's, there's no risk. There's like, it's just do this, make money. Boom. That's why I love sales. Uh, reason I don't like sales is because a lot of it is dependent on me, <laughs> especially at this point in time, whereas an ad I can keep running and it could just do things without me. Um, you currently work in, I mean, you've, you've been, you've been in sales for a while, yeah. um, whether it's yourself or, you know, working for doing, being like a sales associate for a company. I, I don't, I don't, I, <laughs> What just what are what are some things that what are some things like let's just say let's just I don't know if you have a I don't know if you had something in mind but maybe mm-hmm. like condense it into maybe a step to closing a sale like what are what let's do that what are some some like steps what are the steps you take to close the sale like what what does that usually look like okay so I've been in sales as long as I've been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, when I need to take a job, I take sales jobs because they're going to teach me something I need for my business. Exactly. Um, right now I am, I sell jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I don't know if I can, I don't know the rules, so I'm not going to mention the company I work with. Yeah. I think it's um, better. It's best not to. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to um, get mobbed at your store, you know, with all, with everyone right. just coming to find you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want too many sales. <laughs> <laughs> that looks suspicious. But uh but and actually my my uh my manager knows that I have my own business and right. he knows I'm not going to be there forever and <laughs> yeah. um he's trying to find a way to hold on to me. I mean, so um, I did I did more than $6,000 in sales yesterday on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> which uh to put that into perspective the people with uh, 25 years of tenure and a lot of experience, um, they had like $1,200 goals yesterday. Um, now, I'm not – like we all rocked it. Great day. Right. Well, yeah, I, I know. But, you're, <laughs> uh-huh. but you are good at what you do and I don't think there's any point in hiding it. Like there's no right. point in being like I'm so bad and like no, you're good at what you do. But like, like anything else, the things that I want to get good at, I study. The right. things that I don't want to get good at, I outsource. But the well, things yeah. that I want to get good at, I study. And I've studied exactly. sales. So um, the steps to a sale, like that is such a almost archaic concept to me, honestly. Really? Okay. Uh, so I, I think I've told you in the past, and I might have even said it in our last interview. I don't know, but, but it's very it's very effective. Is uh, I don't use common sales tactics anymore. Okay. Sometimes I do, but never consciously, just because some common sales tactics work their way into the framework because they, right, they were close right, to being right. Right, right. Um, but most sales tactics don't work. Um, yeah. So, like, like uh, do you I have use, something in particular that you were thinking of, or like um, a pre-close? Okay. Well, trying like, to so, describe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Typical sales advice will say that like ABCs of sales is always be closing. So in your conversations, you should constantly be saying things. It's like a soft close. Like um, a close Mm -hmm. means like convincing them to buy basically. So in jewelry, that would be, um, can you see this ring on her hand? Mm -hmm. 
that would be like a soft close, right? right. Um, and I don't consciously use those kind of sales tactics anymore because I've learned more effective thought process. And it's really a matter of philosophy almost. Okay. But um, Oren Claff, there we go. Oren Claff mm-hmm. developed the field of neurofinance is what he calls it. Okay. Um, but what he did is he spent 10,000 hours plus studying what psychologists had already figured out about things that they never related, but he related to sales. And he just conglomerated this into his tactics and started testing it in his field and found what was effective. And um, one of the more effective tools in his field that I, for that is universal, because some of them are specific, mm-hmm. is um, the concept of framing. Um, right. Yes. Okay. Right. And I don't know if we talked about this already. We we talked about this, but no, not I mean, on the on podcast. The last, yeah. Okay. Not on the um, podcast, though. So. so framing is it's kind of hard to define, but you know it when you have well, it. It is. So, no, no, and I, and I agree because we talked about this a little while ago, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, I I understand that concept, but I didn't know it was an actual like thing that people wrote about and studied it's basically how you see things like what what word associates it, it's a brand it's something's brand like a pencil you know like what is how does that frame in your mind to the joker so, that's a weapon um to us that's a, it's a tool so every individual in every social interaction ever yeah. has a frame you yeah. have a frame when you're going into it yeah the better frame, the stronger frame, wins. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it happens seamlessly, but frames never coexist. Mm-hmm. So whoever has a stronger frame wins, and they are controlling the interaction, whether or not either party is consciously aware. Mm-hmm. Um, if you control the frame, you can close somebody on a deal that they don't want to take. It is mm-hmm. that obnoxiously powerful. Right. The best example that I have is our current president. Before he was president, he was known in his industry, which is like commercial real estate, right, right. for being the guy that you don't want to sit down across the table from because mm-hmm. he'll make you sign. Yep. <laughs> and yep. you'll lose, but you'll sign. Exactly. Like That's what he's known for in his business. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing to be known for or not. But <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would say not, but yes. Right? Um, I, I'd rather, a lot of money yeah, it's way. like the idea of selling ice to an Eskimo. Yeah, I'd rather exactly. sell them something they need. But right. um, in that... Um, the, here's the easiest example I can give for explaining what a frame is. Okay, mm-hmm. let's say you're cruising down like the California coastline. You're going like 90 miles per hour, and you're just you're having fun, and you're mm-hmm. relaxed, and you see red and blue lights flashing behind you. Mm-hmm. And you gotta pull over. Right. And as you pull over, and as you park, and as you see him get out of his car, and as you see him walking up, you're trying to figure out what you're gonna say. Yeah. And you know, do you go with the idea of like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't normally speed? Do you go with like just an admission of guilt? Do you just like, do you say, hey, I'm in a hurry? Like, what do you do to try to like convince this guy not to give you a ticket? Mm-hmm. Um, and you figure out what you're going to go with. And, and you know what you're going to say and you have it figured out. And then you roll down the window because he's right there at your car door. Yeah. And before you can say anything, he goes, license and registration. Mm-hmm. You hand it to him. He just won the frame. Yeah. Now, his frame was an obnoxiously powerful one. It's the moral authority frame. It's one of the strongest frames there is. Mm-hmm. Um, you knew you were speeding. Yep. You know he knew you were speeding. And he has been put in a place of authority to deal with that. Yep. You're stuck in his frame. You lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but his frame is one that he's had since he got the job. 
Okay. You were trying to develop yours over a 15-second time lapse. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. So, it, and there, there are, there are, there's a list of probably seven frames that can exist in sales. Mm-hmm. Basically. Um, yeah. But if you have control of the frame, you're going to win the sale. Um, you can lose frame control. That's definitely a thing. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if people are at some level aware. But the really good salespeople out there you know that they intrinsically know what framing is when they walk away and you ask, hey, what happened? And they're like, man, I lost that the second I said hello. They don't know why because they haven't yeah. studied it, but they knew they couldn't get the frame control. Right. Um, and that is what it boils down to. So um, there are a few tactics that I use that mm-hmm. would be taught in a t- typical like sales setting, mm-hmm. but I never use them because the the tactics themselves, they're always just part of my frame. So this is right. Uh, okay, okay. A few weeks ago, I was at a training for my company, and one of my associates points out, they're like, "You use the tell close every single time." And so, so the tell close is as simple as it sounds. It's telling somebody to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is what it would look like in like my industry. Okay, it, typically yeah. a tell close would be. Um, you told me she likes white gold. You told me that she likes a round cut center stone. You told me that she's simple and she would probably want a solitaire. You told me that this is your budget. From everything you told me, this is the ring that you want. So let's wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And um, that's a tail close stacked on the power of yes because they're agreeing the whole way until the exactly <laughs> exactly. But um, I and when they said that, they're like, "You use the tail close every time," and I'm like, "Huh? Did. I didn't think I ever used a tail close." I didn't think I ever used closes. I guess that makes sense. I have frame control. <laughs> yeah, because you're not thinking, so you're not necessarily thinking about, and I think this is the difference, and this is something, I don't know, this is something I think would be better fit for us just talking about, like, on our own podcast, on our own thing. I think it will set the tone of our entire podcast. Mm-hmm. But a huge thing for me is what is is about natural affinity versus someone who learns. Because, mm. like, for you, for you and me, I didn't learn sales through learning different closes, through learning strategies. I learned from watching good salesmen sell. And I was like, oh, okay. This is how, this is how, and of course I learned psychology and I learned about public speaking and so communication, that was, that was the easy part for me. Um, and I learned how to influence people towards an action. Um, and so for me, that's just what sales is, is that you're just setting up an argument in order to influence them towards an action without them realizing that you're arguing with them like that's just the way my mind works that's not the way my mind works with it and when people ask me especially like with sales and that's why that's why i kind of framed the question that way because i knew that you would have some the opposite and i wanted to see that happen um because you're a natural salesman and so you don't you don't mathematically like size up and like okay he's doing this she's doing this he said he wants this okay insert this equals this close insert Someone who learned sales and got ve- and 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 memorized everything could do that, but for me, it's like it's like will I will they ever be as good as someone who just has a natural affinity and never actually learned any of it? Um, that's just it's just an interesting thought to me because the way you describe it is that you just did it because of it's practice a and skill. experience. It's a learned skill. Well, I don't doubt that you could improve, but um, I. I before I knew framing, okay. I used 
sales tactics that were taught to me. Oh, really? Okay. And so you I just... learned from some of – I learned from one of the top 10 best car salesmen in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a lot from him. But the fundamentals of sales that are taught everywhere, I learned, are not effective. Um, mm-hmm. The only reason that you use standard sales tactics is because you don't have frame control. And you're trying to fight to get it back. Okay. Um, and people don't, aren't consciously aware of that, but sales tactics are only taught for the people who are losing. If you're winning, you don't need them. Interesting. Um, and because of that, huh. that's, that's why most people who teach sales have started to adopt the marketing aspect of like the law of large numbers. Well, you just right. need to go get more. Yeah. Because these tactics can't work because you don't have frame control. Um, Interesting. The small huh. percentage of the time that they do work, it's because they were successful at getting you frame control back. But when you realize that's the issue and this is curing a kind of symptom rather than the disease, mm-hmm. you don't want it. You want to use something different. Um, and there yeah. are natural salesmen out there who you can watch them and you can study them and you can implement what they do and it doesn't work for you yeah. because you don't understand the dynamic between the two people. Right. Because all the right. – what you're trying to digest and figure out was actually just frame control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And it can't I, boil down that simple. Yeah, and I know we've had this discussion too off camera, well, off recording – um, cause we are recording this and it'll be up on YouTube as well. If yeah. I can, if, if it, I've, I've having a problem with my video editor. It's great. Um, it's so much fun. Um, and we were talking about the law, law of large numbers and you're like, why are you emailing? Or I forget exactly what you said, but you said something along the lines of why are you emailing so many people? Why are you calling so many people? Why don't you just focus on a smaller number and close that small number? Oh, yeah, and, I, I can tell you the quote. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Then. It's actually a quote from Oren Klaff that's just entertaining to me. Because okay. uh, he goes, sales tactics don't work. That's why the people who teach them started teaching the law of large numbers. They said, <laughs> just go get more people. And they're telling you to go out and waste more of your time to use make their tactics work. That's selfish of them. That's here's hilarious. Oh. Oren's class still. This is Oren Klaff. He goes, here's my law of large numbers. Talk to five people and pick the three you want to work with. Tell the other two to go away. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember, okay, yeah, I remember that now. I love that. I love that so much. And I'm so glad you brought, you remembered that. Um, because it is – and then part of it too is that it it does work though. And that's the problem. I, that's, I think that's the problem with the law of large numbers is that it works. You contact – like, and I know this because this is what I do is that I contact a lot of people and I close some of them. And I know how what that ratio is, and I'm like, cool, I've got this. I said, I mean, I, I just do it, and I know what to expect, and I try to improve along the way. You know, maybe changing this, maybe trying this email, maybe you know, trying this on a call instead. But at the end of the day, it comes down to contact this many people, get this many sales. I'm good, well, and, and it's easy. And the that's law the of large numbers is obnoxiously effective for marketing. I need yeah. it in my business. Yeah, yeah. For sales, it's not ideal. Um, and it's that line and the difference to me between marketing and sales is the size of the audience. So sending a ton of emails to me makes sense. That's part of a marketing campaign. Having a ton of, I would argue that it's sales, but yes. (laughs) Well, marketing is sales to the mass. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yes. Fine. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Um, having a ton of phone calls 
is not effective. Like okay. to me, I, I don't I don't know the exact breakdown per industry, but let's just say you send out 500 emails. Mm-hmm. From those 500 emails, let's say that you get 50 people to schedule a call because that's what the email is trying to do. Okay. That would be a really good ratio, but yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> from those 50 people who schedule a call, let's say that 20 actually show up to the call. Okay. Okay. From those 20, I want you to close 16. That doesn't mean I want you to sign up 16. That means I want 16 to want to sign up. <laughs> hmm, okay. But then you get to choose, and maybe you only sign up eight. Right. Um. Is it, Okay, let's talk about framing. Yeah. Um. Because there, it's. I mean, it, the problem with framing is that it makes sense, mm-hmm. but it's not concrete. Like, there's no like even you like you're like, okay, framing. it's hard to define. It, it is because well, but just so because rather it than is. Define, I give examples. Right. <laughs> um. Is did did you say that there was a book on framing? I thought did you even say someone wrote? It's a book called Framing, right? Um. It's not called Framing. What is it called? Um. Because I remember you saying, and if you don't, maybe don't remember, I'll, I'll, you just tell me later. I'll put in the show notes. Um, it's the book that Oren Claff wrote. Okay, so uh, Oren Claff. Okay. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely look that up and put in the show notes. Because it's just such I – just, I just love it so much. And it's something – because I'm not, I'm not necessarily about – I mean, for me and my personality, I don't really – Pitch anything. Pitch anything. That's, okay, pitch that's anything. right. That's right. Pitch anything. I'm because when it comes to learning hard skills, I'm not the I'm not the guy to sign up for courses. I'm not the guy to spend so much time trying to you know read blogs about a certain thing. If I need to find if I need to learn something because I have to do something, I'll I will. But I'm more about okay. Here's this thing. Like let's just say like um I I I don't know like video editing like how I got started. Okay, I kind of understand how it works. I'm going to do it until I get good at it. And that's that's just the way I learn. I've learned that, like, the classroom. It just doesn't work for me. I can't learn that way. I, I It ends up becoming worse than useless. It becomes a waste of time, and, you know, it's just terrible for, for me. And that's why I haven't pursued that. But framing is a skill that I want to learn. I want to learn everything about it. I want to, you know, and it's just, it's really funny for me because, there hasn't been something like that in the first in in um since communication since I learned public speaking. That was the only thing I ever thought like this is a hard skill. Like this is a definite. There's there's strategies. There's things that you have to do in order to be good at this skill. Um, you can be naturally good, but you will never be as good as someone who studies. And and I haven't felt this way about something since then. Like marketing and all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I learned it along the way. Whoop de doo, <laughs> but but this is a skill that I want to dedicate a lot of time to, and that's why I'm re- I'm really glad that you brought it up, um, because just it's really interesting. So I, I'll I'll I know we need to do something about this. <laughs> so no, I'm, it's I'm funny serious. thing. This this is very entertaining thing. I think that pitch anything is to its goal, quite possibly the best written book I've read this year. Oh, really? it's written, okay. It's written ingeniously because it teaches you along the way. And so like when you break it down, I think it's the first seven chapters of the book mm-hmm. are all building on themselves. So he will teach you a term in detail and then right. use it as if you know it in the next chapter. I love it. Um, I, I love it. 
he gets up he does that for the first seven chapters nice. on chapter eight and i might i might be wrong on this but i think there's nine chapters total and if i'm right awesome if i'm a little off oh well. <laughs> on chapter eight he gives it's just a story of his most dramatic example of using this and having it work so he, he shows the necessity of everything nice. um and it, it's kind of a beautiful just this is what you can do with it because what he's sharing is actually his billion dollar deal that he closed um wow right which is the epitome of his career personally right right so, yeah um, i mean i think most people's career yeah <laughs> Getting a billion dollar check Woo. then the last chapter is a lot of where do you go from here kind of a chapter and it's yeah. a lot of um warnings and it's what? a lot of don't do this because he uses the most dramatic examples throughout the story to make his point. Right. Um, and he's like, if you aren't phenomenal at this, this will mm. get you fired. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then like one of his one of his caveats for moving forward, for learning the skill better, is mm. he literally describes – he's like, you want to read this book. You want to make somebody else read this book. You want to each read it twice, and you want to go through these fundamentals and these stacks together. So he, he's like, you need somebody else to learn this with you if you want to become an expert in it. Um, and I'll be honest, Luke, I have not had anybody else to do it with me. Well, um, now I'm here and I have. <laughs> <laughs> but the other, like, somebody, like the, the level that Oren understands his field is mm-hmm. like, and he explains this, he shows this in, the, in chapter eight or chapter nine, whatever it is that he's sharing the story, because somebody else closed him on the idea of the deal that they were going to try. Okay. And this person that closed him is somebody that he had taught neurofinance to. So he's like showing like the, the sale, the, the debate, the argument Mm -hmm. as something that's obviously thoroughly entertaining for both of them. (laughs) And so uh, like, just like the guy flies in to see him and he's got, his airplane on the runway running because he, in his mind, I'm going to do this quick. I'm going to get him on the plane. Like, and as he's there wasting like $400 an hour in jet fuel and the guy standing there waiting, um, him and Oren start doing a value stack and a framing stack and deframing and reframing and having this on who's going to buy a $20 sandwich for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I love this. <laughs> and it's, ah. it's obvious that it's important because whoever wins the frame here has the frame going into the real conversation. Exactly. Like, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but it's like entertaining because the guy comes in and he's like, Oren, I have the plane running. I don't have a lot of time. Let's go. And mm-hmm. Oren's response is trying to use a time frame on me. That's entertaining. Obviously, I taught you well. I know you have a half, at least a half tank of gas, which means you have six hours. Like. <laughs> And this is in the book, right? This is the yes. story of the book. Okay, okay. This is the story in the book. Um, entertainingly enough, oh. though, I've taken e courses from Warren Claff, and okay. he he does not do well on camera. <laughs> well, he he, I know, yeah, he devotes to his skill. That's why, like, um, I like podcasting. I'm like, you know what? This works really well. I'm I'm a speaker. You know, you got to focus in on what you're really good at. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Warren's issue with filming is that he doesn't have somebody there to talk to. Oh, that's interesting. He's, 
He's like, if you were here, I wouldn't do anything that I'm doing, but you would be so convinced that I knew what I was talking about. But now that I'm just on camera, I'm supposed yeah. to be this person. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally get it. I mean, that's why I prefer live versus, um, you know, even just phone calls. Right. When I And now when I when I do coaching calls, I used to do coaching calls. I'd be like, hey, if you want to do Skype, you know, you can do that if you want. Now I'd be like, look, I do video Skype sessions. If you can't do that for some reason, fine, we'll do a phone call, but I need to see you. Otherwise, I get distracted. I can't focus. I can't see you reacting to my to what I'm saying. My first ever business coach, we did our first probably six coaching calls just over the phone. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because we were both at our computers. We were using Google Docs and sharing. Yeah. And like, I don't know why, but like her form to sign up like asked for a Skype address or a phone. And I just gave her my phone number. And I was like, yeah, because I didn't know my Skype address off the top of my head. And yeah. I was like, just gave her. So it wasn't until like the sixth coaching call that she goes, what's your Skype? <laughs> and like, I had never thought of it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, why aren't we on Skype? Because <laughs> I, yeah. there, you do miss something. And, oh, yeah, totally. And you know I- that 95% of communication is not yeah. spoken. Yep. And that's why I like to be in person. Like even beyond Skype, I want to be in person with you. I want to sit in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way I communicate best. And that's why, you know, that, well, that's why I do what I do <laughs> is because I, I need a live audience in order to perform at peak. I need to be in front of someone. So um, you need to do well enough, even though you want to live simply, you need to do well enough to have your own private jet so you can go meet people. <laughs> oh, no, that's totally it. No, no, See, here's the thing, and here's the other thing about it, is I love flying. I wanted to be an astronaut. I learned how planes worked when I was eight years old because I wanted to be, I wanted to build my own, I wanted to fly my own plane. I wanted to be a pilot. I'm getting my pilot's license, you know? That's like, that's like, we, we talk about what means a lot to you. I will live in a rundown apartment no problem. I just need good internet. I need a pretty good computer, too, to do what I do. I will save up that money and buy a private jet. And I will get my pilot's license, and I will fly anywhere I want because that's meaningful to me. Where So, like, I'm sure you've seen the picture that's, like, all over Facebook of Jeff. I'm on Facebook, but yeah. It's everywhere, though. <laughs> of, um... Jeff sitting there on a computer in a rundown office with Amazon painted on the wall behind him. I know I haven't. Okay. Well, like, um, people show it and they're like, this is like 1997 or something. It's like proof to like keep working hard. And no, it's not. It's like, it's misrepresented because Jeff yeah. was actually already worth a hundred million dollars when that photo was taken. <laughs> a new desk just didn't do anything to make him money. Like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he didn't need a better office. Yeah. That's why like, cause, and that's why I differ, like, especially with some people, you know, like, like the house or like room like what i live in i don't care like i really do like my care about my surroundings at all i know i I mean i prefer i like cleanliness and i have control over that um what does matter to me is my freedom and that's i mean and that's top and so being able to fly anywhere i want because i have my own plane and private and pilot's license that's that's top on my list right having my own secluded place top on my list so yeah, and so I'm, and that's one thing I think that I learned, and I'm pretty sure you have learned too, is that you know what these things, these other things that I feel like I should want, I, I'm not, I'm not going to. Like I really just don't care, even though 
people may be like, what? Why Why wouldn't you want this? You know, that seems weird. It's like, I don't, and I don't care what you think. Um, I do have I do have a coaching call coming up, though. <laughs> so I wanted to wrap this up, um, and I wanted to give you some points because you recommended a book to me, I think. I'm hoping I'm not making a mistake <laughs> because I asked you on a call we had, yeah, I yeah. said, I need to read more. I realize that's a weakness of mine. I need to I need to broaden my perspective. Not necessarily read more to like learn a hard skill and memorize it, but to broaden my perspective. Mm-hmm. And you know, pick up things, whatever, you know. And I said, give me a book to read. You know me, give me some books to read. You gave me a couple suggestions. I got one. I I got I got Audible because I realized I, I just can't sit down yeah. and read a business book. I won't do it. Because I got an I got Audible and I read Influence. I'm pretty sure that's one of the books you recommended to me. I hope so. If yes, not, it yeah, okay, be. yeah. Influenced by uh, Dr. Robert uh, Ch- Ch- Cialdini. Cialdini, yeah. I think, is how you pronounce it. For um, your audience, everybody knows everybody, but um, how to win friends and influence people is kind of the gold standard that's, as far that's as what I'm reading right now. Personal relations, right? I'm listening to, um, yeah. Influence because is literally. Like the silver standard. It is the second best book as far, far as how well it's sold, how well it's liked, how received it was mm-hmm. yeah. on the matter of like conversations and social right. skills. Right. So yeah, that's one that I would have recommended. I would have recommended How to Win Friends first, but I pro- might have assumed – Actually, I'm glad credit. I read – I'm glad I listened to that one first because especially the audiobook for How to Win Friends is um, – it's, 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 it's old, I think. I don't think. I don't think they've redone it. And so it's harder to listen to just qual- – like just – recording wise i get that um so i'm really actually i'm glad i listened to influence i listened to influence first the only thing i have with that book and i i recommend it um the thing with that book is i felt that he was he was he was trying to prove his point too hard to be like okay this is this is a psychological principle of influence i'm like i agree yes you show me yes great but he's like this person did this because of this principle like well yeah, but there's like ten other huge factors involved, and so like that was the only thing I I thought of that that book is that I felt like he was he was forcing his frame right a little too much on the situation where he's like this is the the sole this is not necessarily the sole responsibility but this is the main driving factor. I'm like actually like I mean I don't know like how do we know I I I heavily disagree. So like there's some things that would come up a little bit. I'm be like hmm. But mostly, I thought it was very, it was very good. I, I actually learned a lot, so I, I think you're it. gonna find that in any book that talks about psychology, right? That's yeah. written for the layman. No, I agree. If it's I like yeah. an academic paper, you're probably not. But if it's written for the layman, you're gonna find that kind of overgeneralization. Right. Yeah, yeah and, totally. Um, a quote that I love, and this is this fits it, is mm-hmm. every model is wrong. Some models are useful. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and and I love it, and it, it works so well. But for like a psychological principle that you're trying to teach somebody to use, mm-hmm. you're wrong, but you might still be useful. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. No. No. I totally get that. And um. Yeah. Not to say that it has to be perfect, but there was just that was the only that was I, I want. Yeah. 
Um, but with that, I think we do need to wrap it up because someone else is about to call me through Skype and I do not want it to ruin this recording. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Devin, for being on. Um, we're going to work out all the details for our podcast and see like what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Um, we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. I, I mean, that's really the goal is to grow our own skills, help you grow. But at the end, the end of the day, it's to have a good time all being with each other and to have an enjoyable experience. And, and that's what I try. That's what I try to do. Sometimes maybe I don't hit the mark, <laughs> but that's my goal. I uh, had fun. I, I well, I did too. Thank you. I hope our listeners did too. Um, this has been the Communicate with Confidence podcast. You can find show notes and all the links that we talked about. Hopefully, all the links we talked about at the Communicate with Confidence podcast dot com. Thank you, Devin, for being on. And what do you? Where where can people find you? Where should people find you? Right now. Um... Find me on Facebook first, honestly. Yep. Find me Good. if you want to get hold of me, that. PM me. Let's yep. let's talk. Yeah. So just Devin Tracy. Type in Devin yep. Tracy. You should pop up. Um, and then yeah, find you find him there. Talk to him. I definitely definitely recommend it. And there's your cat telling you that <laughs> it needs attention. If you're watching this video, because um, it will be up on my YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening, and remember to always stay on the positive side of things. Dude, I love this podcast intro is one of my favorite things in the world.